Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, a certified lymphedema therapist and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease, lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each month, I will discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. Between shows, you can catch me on IGTV or Instagram TV, as well as monthly live Q&A sessions. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast just for you. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. Koya Medical is working to transform care for lymphedema and venous disease. Koya's Dayspring is the first FDA-cleared treatment that provides essential movement and mobility to people with lymphedema. Unlike traditional pneumatic compression pumps that require patients to be plugged into the wall during use, Koya's Dayspring treatment enables you to carry on with your daily life while receiving treatment. Learn more about the Dayspring active compression and the FlexFrame technology that makes it all possible at koyamedical.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode 93 of Lymphedema Podcast. If you're a patient with lymphedema, you probably understand the importance of this conversation that we're about to have. And if you're a lymphedema therapist, you definitely understand the importance of this conversation that we're about to have today on the podcast. I am really, really excited to introduce you all to Koya Medical. If you are not aware, Koya Medical is the first treatment device that allows you to be mobile in compression therapy. So just recently, um, you've heard on my last episode, I talked about being at the NLN and learning from some of the great vendors and a lot of the great faculty that were there. Koya Medical with their day spring treatment device is one of those sponsors and vendors that I met there in Boston. And we had already had this conversation set up But looking back now, it was really cool the way that this schedule has kind of worked out because today I'm going to tell you and talk talk with the developers, Um, but I got to see this product in real life just this last weekend, and it's as cool as it sounds. And not only is it really cool, it's actually going to be life-changing. It will be able to free up people who are stuck and sitting while they're having their compression therapy done in the pump. Um, This allows them to be freed up so that they can move around. So I'm not going to delay jumping into who we're talking to and what all we're talking about. I just want to let you guys know that after seeing this device in person, I can't wait to have this conversation today. So on the interview with me today, starting off, we have Andy and Andy is the founder of Koya Medical. So Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Betty. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. In a little while, I'm going to also introduce Joya, and we'll get talking about how Joya plays a role here at Koya and her expertise and her experience, um, how it lends a hand to really the education and the understanding of why this compression device is so important in this setting. Andy, first, I want to ask you just a little bit about yourself. What was your background before Koya? 
Yeah, Betty. So I'm an engineer by by training. So I started off uh, in a in an engineering degree in chemical engineering, where we understand how materials work, and then subsequently healthcare was a calling for me. So I ended up pursuing a PhD in biomedical engineering, and eventually got into healthcare innovation. So I've been doing that for the past uh, 16, 17 years now. Wow, that is quite a background. Should I call you Dr. Andy? <laughs> no, just call me Andy. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Andy. So I want to know, how is lymphedema personal to you? What is the impact of lymphedema on your life? Yeah, so it's actually been quite profound, both uh, from a personal standpoint and just understanding um, a, a very large, underserved, unmet need. So my background, if you jog it back um, a few decades, started off in eye care. So this was basically, I was very fortunate to, to have the chance to innovate in eye care. So cataract surgery, when folks get old, will all end up with cataract. And there's a very simple two-minute procedure that removes the lens. So that was my introduction to healthcare. And subsequently, I worked on a few devices in uh, dry eye disease and uh, glaucoma and a few other areas within the eye. So I was very new to lymphedema. And the way lymphedema came to my life is uh, my dad went through prostatic cancer when uh, he turned 76. So he had, uh, as most uh, cancer survivors do, um, had the whole gamut of radiation and, and, and uh, chemo and surgery as well, and quite devastating. But the good news was that cancer went back to the recession and uh, we, we didn't see any issues uh, with, with cancer itself. But within a few months, uh, we, we saw his uh, legs started to balloon. Classic signs of lymphedema, I didn't know what this was. So I asked around and I was uh, obviously plugged into the healthcare community. So I talked to some of the experts. Uh, we had access to some of the leading physicians in the world and uh, experts like Julia who were open and who said, yeah, you know, this is how this works. And lymphedema is a very common side effect of cancer survivors. So to me, you know, obviously personally I was impacted, but also as I started talking and learning more, it felt like something needed to be done, which is why I entered this space. And I'm glad you're here to do more because this device, the treatment device, Dayspring, it's going, it's going to change lives. I mean, I don't ever want to sound like overdramatic about any of this stuff, um, but none of these things are being done. Um, and this population is either ignored or underserved or however you want, whatever word you want to use to describe it. Um, lymphedema is just now seems to be growing and I hate to use the word popularity, but it is kind of becoming more common, a little bit more understood and, and some organizations are making great strides, but some companies and organizations like Goya are making great strides to improve their treatment options. And so what led you to want to create, I know you just talked about your father, um, what led you to say, hey, this is a problem. This is the solution I think we're going to create. How did you come to that point? Yeah, and we have uh, Julia here who will touch on these as well in terms mm -hmm. of how the standard of care works. But when I first uh, looked at the space, um, it was primarily two or three solutions that uh, patients can 
pick from, and all of them were pretty cumbersome. The word you hear quite often is it's a cumbersome disease and it's a morbid disease, right? It's not a lifestyle disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond the edema, the risk of cellulitis and infection, and um, you know, if, if you leave it untreated, uh, sometimes you may even require leg amputation. Uh, so it's a very significant, serious, chronic ailment where something needs to be done. Now, the irony is uh, it's been long ignored, uh, both from breast oncology or other types of oncology, as well as venous disease, that the only real option today patients have is compression sleeves, which are obviously useful, but very difficult to put on, and the compliance is very poor with those. And you also have these pumps, which uh, simulate what Julia and uh, other leading PTs do, which is manual lymphatic drainage. So when we came in, we said, well, there's got to be more options, right? We need more options, more innovation. So really, our team is looking to provide more solutions. And our idea was, what if we can cut the cord and allow our patients to be on the go, be more compliant, and make it interfere less with their life. In fact, I'll give you an anecdote here, Betty. Uh, When I talk to uh, several patients, as you can imagine, several hundred, uh, one of them sticks with me, right? So when I asked her, what can we do? What type of solution would you like uh, for lymphedema? She said, Andy, I don't want to think about this disease, right? I don't want uh, this disease to be a thing in my life because cancer is gone and I've got to live with this for the rest of my life. So, so what do I want? I don't want to think about it, is, is basically what she said, which to me was eye-opening. So what we ended up doing as a team is how do we take the friction out of things that impede them from living, right? And we cannot give them a solution yet. This is not a curable disease at this point. But what can we do to take the roadblocks away, right? So they can be more engaged with life itself rather than being thinking about the disease. That's great. That's really good because so many people, and especially if you're talking about secondary lymphedema who are a cancer survivor, they don't want to think about the time lost, the pain, the struggle, the difficulties that was related with cancer. They don't want to dwell on that. But every morning when they wake up, you know, say if it's a female and she's had a mastectomy, the scars are there and you can't look past what you see in your reflection. The the effects of that chemo, that radiation, that surgery, you physically can't look past it. But if you get dressed and you go about your day, sometimes people don't see it. But if you have lymphedema, then they say, oh, what is wrong with you? What has happened? And you have to relive all of that all over again every day. So I completely understand that person's perspective of, I just don't want to think about it. All right, Julia, I want to bring you in now because I've kind of talked around what we're talking about. Let's just jump into this. So can you, one, introduce yourself, and then we're going to talk about day spring because it's amazing, but just from learning the last few minutes of having this like precursor conversation, you're equally as amazing, and I would like to introduce the world to Julia. Uh, well, thanks, Betty. I, I'm, I'm humbled by that, but thank you very much. <laughs> I, um, I'm very excited to be here. I, um, any opportunity that I can promote um, the awareness for the need for uh, best practice when it comes to lymphedema, it is um, a population that's underserved. Um, and um, I'm thankful that 
um, in more recent years, um, more in the last maybe 15 years or so, um, finally we're on the map. Finally, um, vascular surgeons and oncologists are recognizing um, that this is a debilitating um, condition and uh, we need to get creative about how we can offer a better quality of life for those who suffer from it. So, um, so I'm excited about that. And um, I, uh, what can I say? Um, I am uh, by trade an occupational therapist. I've been in the field of occupational therapy for uh, since 1980, so about 40 years. Um, the, the first uh, maybe 20 years, 19 years of uh, my practice was in uh, the field of orthopedics. And then I had the opportunity in 1999 to uh, become certified as a lymphedema specialist. And um, shortly after that, uh, went on to pursue certification for um, wound care uh, specialties. So um, I, um, I've been involved in the lymphedema community for a long time. Um, I, I currently am still uh, actively practicing in central Illinois. And um, my population um, of patient care is, uh, we have a very active oncology rehabilitation um, uh, practice that um, lends itself to um, a high instance of lymphedema. Um, and then of course, we also work hand in hand with vascular surgeons and uh, wound care specialists. So we see a lot of lower extremity uh, lymphedema as well and the complications of cellulitis and uh, venous stasis, ulcers, diabetic ulcers, things like that. Um, more and more, I think as a medical community, we're acknowledging that the lymphatic system is key if we're going to get healing, if we're going to maintain wellness. And um, uh, when that realization uh, came forward, my job got a little easier in that then I could, I could go to technology, I could go to science and say, give us something better, step up to the plate. These people need uh, innovation and, um, and folks like Andy stepped up. So um, I'm excited to, um, to be in this particular period of time, um, having been through that whole journey and seeing how things have, have evolved and uh, the quality of life for my patients. You know, I want to call everybody that I treated 25 years ago and go, hey, we can do a better job, you know? <laughs> I think that's something that sticks with us as lymphedema therapists. I was in a webinar preparing for the NLN conference and someone was asking a question and, and the uh, faculty was saying, you know, if you can get them back in, go over these two or three things. And she said, oh no, she said, I haven't seen this patient in 10 or 12 years, but this is something that I, I've never gotten out of my mind. You know, why couldn't we get decongestion? Why couldn't we get that scar to move? Why couldn't we get X, Y, Z? I think that's something that sticks with us as lymphedema therapists. Okay, day spring. I want to talk about the details of it. We've talked about a pump that we cut the strings on. There's no cords attached and it's a wearable compression. But Julia, can you tell us what is the day spring device, this treatment device? Okay. Well, I'm going to backpedal just a little bit. And yeah, please. I, um, again, I've been involved in the lymphedema community for a long, long time. And have served on several boards um, over the years, including LANA and the NLN uh, education committees. And, um, and uh, I've had the pleasure of being part of 
um, the American Lymphedema Framework Project. And the project's mission is to support um, new innovation and uh, research um, to support best practice in the treatment and management of those who suffer from lymphatic disorders. And it was my affiliation um, with uh, the ALFP that brought me to um, an introduction to Andy and to the um, Koya Medical Group. And um, uh, what I was asked is my opinion. I was, I, they know that in addition to doing some research and, and being involved actively in best practice uh, determinations, um, I also have an active uh, practice in Illinois. And uh, they just simply said, just take a look at this and tell, tell us what, what, what you think. How can we make this better? How can we um, you know, provide a better uh, sense of, of um, uh, quality of life for, for your patients? What would you change? What, you know, what's good about it? And um, so I stepped up. I, I, I was up for the quest. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And um, I went on the premise of, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a purist when it comes to complete decongestive therapies but my training has been extensive. I've, I've had the opportunity of working with some of uh, some recognized um, experts in the field and I know what works and I know what's fluff, okay? And I will tell you that although pneumatic pumps have been around for a long, long time, what I know about the lymphatic system, the dynamics of the lymphatic system, always seem to be conflicted uh, or conflicting with uh, the, the technology that's offered with a pneumatic pump. And by that, I mean, when, when we design a treatment program for a lymphedema uh, patient, we are incorporating the components of manual lymph drainage, which is a stretching of the tissue, a mobilization of the tissue um, to activate those uh, initial lymphatics and to actually provide um, motility so that we can promote um, lymphatic decongestion. We combine that with compression because once we create that negative space, that negative um, space that from, from drainage of the fluid, we have to be able to provide uh, stabilization of that negative pressure. And so compression, external compression allows that, but we also incorporate exercise. Now yep. at face value, exercise is good for all wellness. And especially if you're dealing with someone that is recuperating from uh, surgical intervention because of cancer, for example, there's, you know, anatomically, um, they're different, you know, they, they, um, they're not able to function in the, in the same way. And so obviously traditional therapy says we got to get them moving when we got to get them functional. But in addition to that, what we don't realize sometimes as lymphedema therapists is that exercise is imperative to promote, um, motility of those lymphatic vessels. Mm -hmm. And so research has looked at, does manual lymph drainage in and of itself um, reduce the girth of a limb, you know, reduce that swelling? No, in and of itself, it does not. It, it's not longstanding. It will not do the job. What if 
look at compression. Will compression alone um, solve that, that dilemma of lymphedema reduction and management? No, if compression alone worked, I wouldn't be so busy as a therapist, right? And then um, thirdly um, is the exercise piece of this. Like I said, um, if, if we just said to the patients postoperatively, oh, just start moving, you know, the swelling will go away if, it, if you just start moving. Well, again, none of those components work well in and of themselves, but when we combine them, then we've got the ticket, then we see the good results. What's different about day spring as opposed to the pneumatic pumps that are out there is those pumps tether my patient to a wall for an hour. And, you know, I actually have not so much anymore, but vascular uh, physicians that would tell my patients to elevate their leg and come and use the pump for up to four hours a day. Yep. Heard that one before. Yeah. That is not life. That is not realistic. And how dare that physician ever suggest that that was ethical in terms of treatment and management, medical management. So the other part of this is in my head as a therapist, I'm thinking, why would I want to immobilize a patient for any extended period of time when I know lymphatics actually move, actually are facilitated by muscle contraction, the muscle pump, the joint pump. Um, The day spring makes sense because now I can, basically what I do is I lead the patient in um, proximal decongestion. In other words, I facilitate those areas that kind of draw in or create that negative pressure to kind of suck the the fluid towards the center of the body for drainage. I'm I'm trying to simplify this, but um, but that's kind of in in essence uh, what happens. Once that's established and and then the patient puts on the day spring and while that day spring is actively mobilizing the tissue through that flex frame technology, I am moving the patient through exercise, um, wide motions as much as the patient is able to offer. I can put hands on that patient to mobilize that brachial plexus, that shoulder girdle, um, whatever I need to do to get that proper body mechanics to enhance lymphatic drainage while that device is actually my hands on the tissue doing manual lymph drainage. And so the difference is pneumatic pumps in general, traditional pumps in general, they apply kind of a linear compression Whereas Day Springs uses that flex frame technology. And, you know, I'll mention too, it's air that, you know, that pneumatic pump is using compressed air in a linear plane. Well, the Day Spring uses that flex frame technology. So now it becomes dimensional. Now it becomes more of a transverse kind of um, excursion of the tissue or stretch of the tissue. So it's not air? There's not a pneumatic. Well, Andy can probably jump in on the technology of that, but basically it's flex frames that are actually mobilizing that tissue in a sequential kind of way, you know? And so um, it does provide compression, but the compression delivery is different. Typically when we think of pressure, it's basically force that is applied over a given area. 
right? Yeah. So in, in historically, um, pumps were used because air inflates and deflates chambers that are sewn. So when the chamber inflates with air, you apply the pressure. It displaces a certain area where the tissue is contacting the tissue. You can do that with hydraulics as well. Hydraulics meaning liquid-based, pneumatic meaning air-based. But the problem with any time you're dealing with liquid or air or you're actually physically moving in and out, you have a delay and you need a pump that actually can push the, the source in and out, right? So that's why it needs to be large. That's why you need to have a, a lot, lot of current from the wall uh, plugging it and empowering it. So in order to make that active, uh, we had to think about it in a very different way. So, so Betty, if you're familiar with medtech and healthcare, you surely would have heard of stents uh, that people have had for their heart. Mm -hmm. uh, you would have heard of orthopedic implants or orthodontics. Uh, all these uh, areas, including eye implants, actually, use what's called nitinol or nickel titanium alloy. They're shape memory alloys. So what happens is it basically goes through a very small catheter and the stent stretches where it remembers its shape when it goes into the body where it needs to be uh, based on body temperature, it remembers it. So we're one of the first companies in the world to activate nitinol, which is weaved into the clothing. So when Julia's talking about flex frames, that's an actuator where you can control how much it shrinks and how much it expands using the electronics that we've built. So it's a little futuristic in that sense, um, because think of an Iron Man costume, for example. I was literally just thinking of Iron Man. I was like. <laughs> exactly. So we're very excited about uh, it's a cutting edge. I mean, the engineers previously were working at NASA and cutting edge neurostimulation devices. So we're delighted that we can bring that to Again, move the needle, right? This is not the cure, but this is how innovation begins, right? We do this and someone else might do more and collectively as, a, as an ecosystem, we can, we can make it better and better. I don't think you moved the needle. I think you created a new gauge. This is new level. This isn't the same needle we're working on. This is cool. Oh, this thank you for saying that. I think uh, with Julia's support, uh, we're, as you mentioned, uh, we're, we're eyes wide open, right? It's a lot of discovery that's happening and it's very exciting to understand the physiology. So thank you again, Julia, for helping us and pointing us in the right direction. I, it's been my pleasure. I, um, what's exciting for me uh, and for any therapist, I think, um, who looks at this device um, is the realization that we can now um, provide this device for the patient. The patient um, uh, basically... Uh, does some very ba uh, fundamental kinds of lymphatic stimulation to begin with, puts on that sleeve and can actually continue to interact with family, with at work. I have a, I have a therapist that, um, excuse me, a patient that um, uh, sits at her computer and does, uh, she works for the, the Illinois State Board of Education. And she wears that device while she is having Zoom meetings, just like we are today. Um, she uh, uses it when she goes into the schools and she does her training with new teachers. Um, it goes right along with her. So it isn't, it doesn't hinder her from maintaining that role, that life uh, role that she, um, you know, previously was so interrupted. This doesn't allow, uh, this doesn't require the patient to budget for 
oh, I have to budget an hour of my day every day in the evening. I've got to sit in a recliner. I've got to put this device on and I have to be tethered to it. I suppose I could read a book, you know, for that hour. I don't know. Most of my patients are professional in, in terms of mastectomy. They're professional women, they're grandmas, they're, they're moms um, that really don't have time to sit for an hour, hour and a half um, without having some sort of a purposeful activity uh, connected with it. This allows quality of life to, to just be captured at a whole new level. So I have three specific garment questions that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this outline. And I want to go ahead and get your response to these. We talked about it a little bit already with the flex frame. How is gradient compression achieved in the day spring? Yes, so the electronics in the device has the intelligence to independently control all the flex frames. So instead of needing chambers where air is inflated and deflated, the chamber is replaced with sections that are about one inch or so. So for the upper extremity, typically you'll see 14 sections. And the finer the resolution, as uh, Julia mentioned, you know, in the past, uh, there were two or four chambers. Uh, that's not enough because that basically pushes it in. You want to gently stretch it out and push it distally. And the idea, idea there is uh, for us, you can independently control each frame using the electronics. So, you know, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we're all engineers in the team. So if uh, there's a nail, we, we definitely have a hammer for it. So we, at this point, have Bluetooth built in to the device where this is connected to your phone, Betty, where you can remotely, Julia sitting in her office, can, with the right axis, ensure the right patient is getting the right pressure and not just at that instant, but as they are evolving with time, she can also have that um, from her office, understand how the patient is engaging with the device, right? Are they using it daily? If not, so you can change care path based on the usage that you understand. So we've built the intelligence basically. What about battery life? Battery life, it's, uh, it's a lithium ion battery. These days, uh, cars run on lithium ion batteries. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so te battery technology has come a long way. So the size of this is slightly bigger than your phone. It fits into your pocket. Uh, it will last you about four sessions uh, with the full charge. And similar to your phone, it'll probably take you two and a half, three hours to charge it. Okay. Um, sizing, I was thinking about that. How are they sized? Are they custom garments or are they a variation yeah, of one size on. fits all? Yeah, I can comment on that. So every human being comes in different shapes, sizes, upper is different than lower. Um, it's very important uh, to offer the right solution. You know, as I mentioned, our goal is to take the friction out and ensure patients are able to use the therapy that's prescribed to them. So it's very important that it's measured to fit. If it doesn't fit them, why would they use it? You don't even wear a shirt that doesn't fit you, right? So it's very important to have that as front and center. So what we fortunately do is we have these modular straps that are built into the into the device where you can, if you have their sizing, we can just in time make it. Within 24 to 48 hours, we can ship them their size 
uh, for, for them to fit. We also have different lens to enable that as well. Same for the lower extremity. So the design has been thought through with a need in mind. And as Julia mentioned, I think we're surrounding ourselves with experts that tell us what works, what doesn't, where the need is. So did I understand you just said you can have a customized garment by circumference and length within 24 hours of getting those measurements? That is correct. So our manufacturing team has experience building, you know, high volume units with medical devices. So they understand this. So what we do is uh, the way it's set up, we're based in Oakland. If you're ever there, come visit us. You'll get a tour of the facility. It's a small facility. But the idea there is you have sub-assemblies that are already built in. So the controller, for example, is made. The big backbone of the device is made. So the moment you get the measurements, you can quickly find out which strap, what length does this belong to? And the team's done a very efficient way of just-in-time logistics. And I saw in person the day spring, and it is a garment that goes on as a protective layer, but that garment also has compression in it, correct? Because there's no distal pump on the palmer or the hand region of the actual treatment device, correct? That is correct, yes. So it's uh, we can use either a compression garment that's set to a certain pressure. So as Julia mentioned, what you need is uh, base compression pressure, stimulation, and mobility. So that's our goal is to enable all three mechanisms of action. So we do have the liner to ensure that's uh, laundered uh, because these things can get dirty. <laughs> so we recommend folks use a liner. Um, you, you know, many of them have cats and dogs and I think uh, so you wanna make sure you take care of the device. But Julia, I know you've uh, talked to your patients. What do you see? Well, I, um, the, uh, uh, the hand piece, I know that as, a, uh, as therapists, one of the first things we think about is when compression is localized, water moves where there's room. And so you get this kind of what I call the water balloon effect. If I squeeze the middle, the water will just go to either end. And so that was one of the concerns that some of the therapists had with the design that uh, the, the, uh, the day spring starts at the, at the wrist and, and goes to the axilla, uh, but the, the, um, the hand is exposed. And what if the hand is involved or what if it's not involved visibly, but you know, um, it's, it's more vulnerable just by what I call the balloon effect. And so um, what we did was um, we thought about what about just a nice um, high quality minimal compression um, gauntlet that uh, is included um, as part of the day spring um, uh, device. And so the patient puts that nice um, compression gauntlet over the hand. And then what I do is, and I've been trying to get Andy to include it as part of the package, is um, I use squeeze balls. And I tell the patient, I, while, you're, while you're using this device, I want you to pick that stress ball up and I want you to squeeze. You know, I, every once in a while. Now, here's the thing is, I'm doing that, but at the same time, I'm not really seeing with my active patients a whole lot of pooling, you know, or dependent swelling in that hand because they're moving and that arm, they're they're continuing to move it while the device is on, and so well you know that that active mobility is is kind of um, 
uh, deterring that lymphatic uh, stasis, you know, because the muscle pump is still active. So my final question is you've mentioned a couple times upper and lower extremity. I only saw the upper extremity at the NLN. Is there a lower extremity day spring option? There is. And fortunately, we just received uh, FDA clearance recently, a few months ago. And we are also, as you can imagine, Betty, uh, investing a lot of time and effort in clinical validation. So we're just as did Dr. Roxon, uh, our chief medical officer, recently presented a randomized control study at AVLS just a few days ago. And we're obviously leaning on Julia and our advisory board to help us build more evidence. Uh, so lower extremity is a large unmet need uh, because that includes not just uh, cancer survivors, but also a lot of folks with chronic venous issues, yep. uh, which the volume is much higher there. So we're fortunately able to allow movement there as well, is you can have a battery controlled wearable garment uh, with the technology built to enable movement. Uh, but that's not it. As, as we mentioned before, our goal is to enable innovation within lymphatic and venous care, to, to continue discovering and continue allowing uh, new technology that can make a difference, not just for our patients, but also for folks like Julia, who are the key caregivers here. So we're actively working on a few other areas, uh, but uh, Julia, what is your take on all of this? I, I really think, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm very active in providing uh, wound care services as well. And I will tell you that I believe that the technology that's associated with Koya Medical uh, is going to redefine how wound clinics um, are able to provide um, a different type of therapeutic compression for those who particularly struggle with reoccurrence of venous stasis ulcers and diabetic ulcers. Um, one of the things, you know, these folks are typically, their profile is uh, very typical for the, the non-ambulatory patient just by virtue of my leg hurts or I'm obese, I don't move as well, I have associated um, you know, uh, foot pain or ankle pain or anything the, along with that. And so again, uh, the, the practicing um, nurse in those clinics are told by the physician to apply these multi-layer uh, short stretch bandages that are put on very tight and they're very uncomfortable and then go home and elevate your leg. That's contradictory. If you want the lymphatics to do what they do, you have to get motion. And so um, all the pneumatic pumps that are being provided by uh, uh, wound care clinics right now um, are all tethered to the wall. There isn't, there isn't any that I know of um, that allows mobility, even if that patient gets up and walks around, is able to walk around with the device on their leg and they can walk around their apartment, they can go to the grocery store, they you know, can maintain some level of, of uh, normalcy. Um, I think it's gonna be huge. I, I, I think it's gonna make a big difference. The other thing that I think um, is gonna be helpful is even if you have a wound care dressing, uh, the device can fit very nicely right over that leg. Um, and so again, allowing for optimal um, mobility and um, just a better lifestyle. I think that, I think it's gonna redefine 
the way that we look at compression in wound care centers across the country. As a clinician, Julia, in your setting, in your clinic, how are you using the day spring? Is it, you're at the, I mean, you're the base of the pyramid that they're building, um, I think, you know, their, their research on. So you have the understanding and you have the access to the product. But as a clinician, so say if I'm in an office, would yeah. I use the day spring as a billable unit of compression or would I just try to get insurance to cover this and I send my patient home with it? Well, how would you use the day spring as a clinician? Well, you know, um, as a lymphedema therapist, you know that we kind of define our treatment in phase one and phase two treatment. Mm -hmm. Phase one is as where we're actively uh, trying to reduce that limb. Uh, we're trying to improve skin integrity. Um, we're, prov uh, we're trying to um, uh, promote mobility and lifestyle, those kinds of things. We're, we're educating our patient so that they can move into phase two, which is management. I see this device in two ways. I'm lucky enough um, to have this device um, available to me. And for, interestingly enough, the prototype that I was given um, fits most of my upper extremity um, uh, post-surgical patients um, um, because I'm getting referrals when they are latency stage one, early stage two. Part of that whole process of education, and we have some great oncology physicians and surgeons that recognize um, our role is important in, in our patient's recovery. And so uh, we get these early referrals. So that device fits on my patient very well. When the patient, typically patient comes in, I do some proximal clearance. I, again, um, these are areas in the body where um, I'm pre-treating lymph node regions so that I can create a kind of a decongestive negative pressure um, so that those areas can begin to drain. And I can, I can recruit the deeper lymphatics um, to create that negative pressure gradient. Once I do that, it takes about 15 minutes with the patient, then I immediately put the sleeve on and um, set the, the uh, parameters of what I think the patient is gonna benefit from. Um, I usually put a tuba grip or something over the top of the garment um, because some, you know, because those um, straps are, uh, they might not be perfect because it's not a custom, what the, the prototype I have is not custom, but I, I kind of adapt it a little bit and then we go right to it. I start doing mobility. I start doing bilateral cane exercises. I start maybe grabbing a therapy ball, like the ones that are in back that, you know, in back of me today. And I get them down on a mat and we start doing some nice stretching. I do some kind of modified yoga moves um, with them so that I can initiate um, because I know that if I can get that arm away from the trunk, then I can, you know, I can begin to uh, create a clearance just through motion. You know, yeah. uh, Dr. Foley talks about how even in cadaver studies, if he was able to move that extremity away from the trunk and create um, kind of a traction of the skin, that he was still able to visualize lymphatic uptake. And so um, that, that excursion of the skin can be done through motion. I mean, we do that every single day. And so my 90 minute treatment um, is focusing more on functional exercise, 
talking about compression, talking about um, postural influences because you know these folks, their anatomy is different. And so I can focus on the other things while the device is actually doing my hands-on mobilization of the tissue. I also see this for lower extremity. I see this um, as addressing that dermal fibrosis that you see in venous stasis. And the reason I think it's, uh, it's gonna be different is because I alluded to earlier that traditional pumps create a linear compression, whereas those flex frames um, uh, create a more transverse or, um, or transversing, yeah, um, compression. So it isn't just linear where it's, it's pushing down on the tissue. Now it's actually mobilizing the tissue. And, and as the tissue moves under it, it's. Yeah, it becomes three-dimensional. You get more pliability of the skin. And then those lymphatics are no longer trapped in that fibrotic scar. And so um, it, it, with tissue pliability comes increased perfusion or oxygen into the tissue, which promotes healing which in turn, you know, it just sets the stage for allowing the lymphatic system to do what it does best to heal and, and establish wellness. And so um, I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, in, I kind of painted the picture of what would be typical for a patient if they came into the clinic. Not every clinic is going to have that device available to them. It would be ideal if that was the case. I mean, when I think about the cost of some of the modalities, this device really um, is very affordable in terms of if a clinic was to purchase one or two and have them available, um, not only as an example, you know, to the patient, this is what I think might be helpful for you as part of your management program um, and working with that patient for them to acquire it but also to actually integrate it into their daily therapy. I, I, it's a tool, just like I use ultrasound, just like I use e-stem, I'll, I'll pull out that day spring and use it to my advantage. And I can only imagine that it, it could work in an orthopedic setting with sure. post-surgical patients. It doesn't just have to be lymph edema. It could be any, any edema situation right. where you need that external compression to help facilitate the movement of the fluid. Right. Because and I, I think it's billable as well. I mean, just like, and again, uh, this is more Koya medical team, you know, that they've uh, done their homework in terms of insurance reimbursements and codes and things. But um, we currently, as therapists, we currently have um, a device um, code. You know, if I, if I throw on a pneumatic pump, for example, there's a code for it yeah. and I can build that code. I don't know where the day spring fits in all of that, but I, I don't think it's very far from. Right. You know, no, from fortunately, CMS is recognizing this as a new technology and they've given us new codes. So we're delighted, Julia, to there it is. continue working with the folks. Can I have um, those codes? I'll, I'll write them down right now. Well, um, as you heard, Betty, uh, we're very lucky. Julia has a wealth of knowledge, uh, quite frankly, an encyclopedia of knowledge, oh. and we're able to tap into that to understand what do we need to do and continue to do. So what we were just finishing up with Julia, and I'm just gonna recap um, what she had just said for anyone who was listening about how we can apply this in a clinical setting. So you would begin with your MLD for clearance, opening up the trunk, opening up any regional lymph nodes, manually moving that lymph fluid, 
any scar tissue you're needing to work on, any fibrotic tissue you're needing to work on, you would go ahead and hit all of those points. Then you could apply the Dayspring treatment device and continue with exercise because we all know that if we do exercise with compression, it is more beneficial to decreasing that volume and that circumference of our limb. And so when we apply the Koya, then you can do active movement with the compression of that device. And I'm going to really hesitate from saying pneumatic compression, since we've covered the fact that there's not actually like an air pump going on. It's a different type of technology. So you have the movement of that fluid facilitated by the day spring, and you can do any motions, any movements, any exercise. And that hand is free to grip because the day spring sleeve begins at the wrist and it goes up to the axilla. So then any therapist who's listening now, you know, your last step is applying compression. So you would probably take off your day spring, do some follow-up measurements, and then get them quickly into whatever their go-home compression is, whether that be uh, multi-layer compression bandaging, because you have, you're in that first phase, or if it's an actual garment where you're able to apply just their garment that they've been custom fitted for, or an off the shelf that they fit into. That's how Julia says to incorporate the day spring into your clinical setting. And with all of that, I just want to say, Andy, how do we get in touch with Dayspring? How do we get in touch with Koya Medical? Is there social media we can follow? Is there a website? How can we learn more? Because Julia has set it up so clearly for us clinicians to understand it better. And I have a feeling that any clinician listening is going to want to get their hands on this device and really be able to relay that information to their patients. Thank you, Betty. We are at uh, www.koyamedical.com and we can email us at info at koyamedical.com. The phone number is also there. Give us a call if you want to share your thoughts, if you're interested, if you just want to understand uh, what else is coming, just give us a call. We'd be happy to talk to you. We're a small team based in Oakland and we're also at all the annual conferences, the national conferences, so you'll see us there as well. Awesome. All right, Andy, I appreciate it. I am going to close out, but before I do, do you have any words of encouragement or anything you would like to leave with the lymphedema community before we end our show for today? Firstly, Betty, thank you for having uh, Julia and me to share our story. The most important aspect from our point as innovators is we're looking to enable health. We'll probably continue to do this for the rest of our lives is enable health so life can begin, right? You, everyone, one of us needs to be healthy and be in health for us to do anything, any of the pursuits we have in life itself. So what we're doing is a very small step in enabling that for folks with lymphatic and venous care. We'll continue to do so. So we really thank the ecosystem. Thank you for uh, shining a light on this uh, underserved disease. So thank you. Thank you once again for having us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being on. Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Dayspring wearable compression therapy treatment from Koya Medical. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode. And don't forget to check out the Koya Medical website. That's koyamedical.com.